Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Caleb Hickam. And I'm Kimberly Croker. And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand. Hand to Hand is a ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas. And Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who have hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Hello there. Welcome back to the second episode in the story of Obadiah Holmes. Today we will be finishing this story. Last week we told how in colonial America, each colony had its own established religion. In Massachusetts, the Congregational Church persecuted people who didn't believe like they believed, even going so far as to be a man like Thomas Painter whose great crime was refusing to let his newborn baby be baptized. Right. In 1644, they had drawn up an order that uh, called for banishing such as continued obstinate after due conviction. In other words, if you didn't uh, back down after you had been convicted, uh, they could banish you from the colony. So, in order to avoid the trouble and persecution, Dr. John Clark had led 18 families to a new colony that they started at Newport, Rhode Island, back in uh, 1638. On a missionary trip to Obadiah's hometown, Rehoboth, Massachusetts, in 1649, Pastor Clark showed Obadiah the truth from the scriptures about biblical baptism to the believer. So... In 1650, the Puritan court at Plymouth brought charges against Obadiah Holmes and nine members of his church. So, they sought refuge with their Baptist brethren at Newport, and they moved there. We continue the story of Obadiah Holmes and the other Baptists at Newport. These Baptist brethren were greatly concerned with the souls of the people of the colony. The year is 1651. The Bible says in Romans 10:14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Many say they believe in him, but rather they trust in the baptism of their church. They must hear the truth 
from God's holy word. They are trusting a false balance, which is an abomination unto the Lord. The colonies need to hear. The colonies need a preacher of the gospel. It is reported that in Boston we are called the sewer of New England, but they do not realize their righteousness is not clean to God. The Bible says, Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. In the summer of 1651, the Newport Baptist Church sent three men, Pastor John Clark, Brother Obadiah Holmes, and Brother James Crandall, to visit an aged member, Brother William Witter. Mr. Witter lived in Lynn, in the Massachusetts jurisdiction. Early on, he was a member of the Congregational Church, but as far back as February 28, 1643, he had renounced the practice of infant baptism. Yes, he was arrested and brought before the court and charged with speaking indecently of the ordinance of baptism. Apparently, that was a crime. So, He made some sort of an apology, but was arraigned a second time about three years later, on February the 18th of 1646, at which time he testified that infant baptism was the badge of the whore of Revelation. On July 24th of 1651, Brother Witter was formally excommunicated by the authorities for absenting himself from the public ordinance nine months or more and for being rebaptized. In other words, he hadn't attended their church for nine months or more and he had been biblically baptized. It isn't clear when he became a member of the Baptist Church in Newport, uh, but he had not attended services with the Congregationalists for at least nine months. Living about 75 miles from Newport, and considering his age and his various infirmities or sicknesses, um, he was unable to attend services. Therefore, the church records show three of the brethren, namely Pastor John Clark, Obadiah Holmes, and James Crandall, were taken upon the Lord's Day, July 20th of 1651, at the house of one brethren, whom they went to visit, namely, William Witter, in the town of Lynn. Catherine, Dr. Clark had asked Brother Crandall and I to accompany him to visit William Witter at Lynn. He is quite old and has trouble seeing. Therefore, he has been unable to partake in the Lord's table. Obadiah, are you going to go? Of course. Brother Witter needs the fellowship of the brethren. But what if the authorities detain you? They may not let you go free like they did before. It will be all right. Do not worry. We are doing the Lord's work, so the Lord will help us. I know, but I still worry. They may keep you in prison indefinitely, and we need you. We will be careful. But... We need to go. Remember in Acts 5, Peter and the other apostles said, 
we ought to obey God rather than men. Yes, you're right. But I will feel so much better when you've returned safely. Keep us in prayer. I will, Obadiah. Just be careful, please. They are already very angry with you for starting the church at Rehoboth. It would please the Boston authorities very much to find you at their doorstep. The three men arrived at the town of Lynn on Saturday evening and went to the home of Brother William Witter. It was a long and expensive trip, but the Lord brought them safely to their destination. Brother Witter, how are you? I'm doing fine, Dr. Clark. I'm so thankful you've come. You recall these brothers from Newport, Obadiah Holmes and James Crandall. Come in, my brethren. Praise the Lord, you've come. It's been a long time since I've enjoyed the fellowship of fellow saints. It is good to see you. It is good to meet you, my brother. How was the journey? Sit down. I'll get us some tea. Our journey was uneventful. We passed through Boston without incident. Have they continued to molest you, sir? They've not bothered me excessively, possibly because I'm too old to bother with. But occasionally they come to harass us. I do hope that they don't know you all have come. I would not want you to be arrested because you have come to visit me. Brother Witter, it is our pleasure to come. Do not worry. We just want to be a blessing to you. Yes, and besides, they don't even know we are here. How long do you think you'll be able to stay? I think we will leave the day after tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll have services here in your home. Praise the Lord. There are a few others that would love to hear the word preached. But news spread quickly in Lynn, and a warrant for the arrest of the strangers was delivered to the constable. It read, By virtue hereof, you are required to go to the house of William Witter and to search from house to house for certain erroneous persons, being strangers, and then to apprehend, and in safe custody to keep, and tomorrow morning at eight o'clock to bring him before me. Signed, Robert Bridges. The next morning was July 20th of 1651, and neither Pastor Clark nor any of the others had any idea about the warrant that had been issued for their arrest. So, Dr. Clark proceeded to hold a church service in Brother Witter's home. He began to preach a message from Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 10. After he had begun, four or five strangers came in to hear the preaching. It's possible that three in attendance were John Wood, Joseph Redknapp, and Roger Scott. John Wood had been tried back in February 19th of 1616 for, quote, professing Anabaptist sentiments and withholding his children from baptism. So, in all likelihood, he came to hear the Baptist message. Then you have Joseph Redknapp. He had uh, broken the law by 
usually, quote, departing from the congregation at the time of administering the seal of baptism. In other words, he would get up and leave uh, the congregational church whenever they got ready to baptize a baby, which apparently was a crime. And Roger Scott, he'd been tried by the court on February 28th of 1643 for, get this, Caleb, common sleeping at the public exercise upon the Lord's Day. He was sleeping in church, Caleb. And for striking him, that wakened him. He was severely whipped for the same later that year in December. Yeah, so actually I have heard about this. And um, the the Baptist historian, Thomas Armitage, he wrote uh, a lot of Baptist history. And he even speculated that um, that this man might have attended the uh, the meeting in Brother Witter's home so that he would be able to sleep without being disturbed, <laughs> um, or or that he figured a stirring Baptist sermon would keep him from nodding off in the first place. In other words, either he went to the Baptist service uh, so that he'd be able to sleep. Or he went to the Baptist service because it wouldn't be boring and he wouldn't have to sleep. Um, but that's all speculation. We don't know. We don't know why he slept. We only know he did and it was against the law. Yeah. Okay, but the second part of what he did wrong and was tried for was striking him that wakened him. You, you want to talk about that? Yeah, okay. So what would happen in the congregational church, it was a common practice, that if you fell asleep during church, they had a guy with a big, long pole, like a big, long stick. stick. That, yeah, actually, I've visited some of these old congregational churches, and they, uh, some of them still have big sticks, like, leaning up in the walls and stuff in there. I'm not joking. You think I am. But, no, I believe you. Yeah. You told me about them. Um, awesome. And uh, so this is funny. So what they would do is on that stick, on one side, it would have, like, a feather. And they would use the feather to, like, if it was a woman that fell asleep, they would, like... kind of tickle her like to make her yeah like to make her wake up right but if it was a man they would poke him (laughs) with it uh, and and it would be very painful Um, so apparently what happened is um, Roger Scott uh, got mad that somebody poked him with a stick and he punched the guy um, (laughs) and apparently maybe several times and you know I can imagine that after being uh, punched a couple of times by Roger Scott uh, you know for waking him up with the with your big old stick uh, I can imagine that, you know, the uh, the, poker. the poker might have been a little bit uh, a little bit nervous about waking him up after that. He I don't. Twice. He might, yeah. Uh, anyway, what uh, what we do know, uh, we we don't know who all was in the service, right? Yeah. We're just speculating that these three men may have been there. It seems likely, you know, from the historical record that does exist, um, but. We do know that no matter who was there, Pastor Clark had just begun to preach a powerful message on the faithfulness of God to his people in their hour of temptation when two constables came and invaded the farmhouse. Revelation 3, verse 10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. We should be faithful to him who has always been faithful to keep his word. Keep his word, and he will keep you. 
sir, you must come with us. We have a warrant for the three of you to appear before the magistrate, Robert Bridges. May we finish the service you have interrupted? No, you must come with us immediately. The brethren from Newport were brought before the local magistrate, Robert Bridges, who ordered them to attend the service at the state church. We cannot attend service there. If thou forcest us into your assembly, we cannot hold communion with them. You will attend service, for it is the law. As they entered the meeting house, where the services were already underway, Dr. Clark removed his hat and civilly saluted all of the congregation. But when they were conducted to their seats, all of the men placed their hats back on their heads, indicating to the entire congregation that they were not in agreement. And Dr. Clark opened his book and began silently reading to himself. Constable, pluck off their hats. At the close of the service, Pastor Clark requested the opportunity to address the congregation. It was his first attempt since being arrested to defend Baptist doctrine. I desire as a stranger, if I may, to propose a few things to this congregation, hoping in the proposal thereof I shall commend myself to your consciences to be guided by that wisdom that is from above, which being pure is also peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. Silence. You may not be permitted to speak. What right do you have to interrupt this service? Constable, take these men to the jailhouse immediately. I find it very ironic that the people of the Congregational Church didn't want their own service interrupted by these Baptist brethren whose service they had forcibly discontinued and had constrained them to sit in on a meeting that they didn't agree with. That's true. Well, the three men spent that night in jail, but somehow they were granted liberty on Monday for a little while. They used that time to go back to the home of Brother Witter. They shocked the deputies of Lynn Court by observing the Lord's Supper at Mr. Witter's home. Afterwards, they were taken back to jail. The next day, they were taken to the Boston Court. That was on Tuesday, July the 22nd of 1651. The charges were read before the court, which included the newly elected governor, John Endicott, as well as deputy governor, Thomas Dudley, uh, Richard Bellingham, William Hibbing, and Increase Knoll, as well as several others. For being at a private meeting in Lynn upon the Lord's Day, for exercising among themselves, for offensively disturbing the peace of the congregation after coming into the public meeting, for saying and manifesting that the Church of Lynn was not constituted according to the order of our Lord, and for such other things as shall be alleged against them concerning their seducing and drawing aside of others after their erroneous judgments and practices, and for suspicion of having their hands in the rebaptizing of one or more among us. In the courtroom, the charges were read, but there was no trial 
The court simply heard the allegations and commenced to pass sentence. For the unlawful actions of this past Lord's Day, John Clark, you are hereby fined 20 pounds or to be well whipped. Obadiah Holmes, you are hereby fined 30 pounds or to be well whipped. John Crandall, you are hereby fined 5 pounds or to be well whipped. You Anabaptists have defied and denigrated the Massachusetts system of civil and ecclesiastical government. Sir, I am neither an Anabaptist nor a Pediobaptist nor a Catabaptist. You deny infant baptism. You deserve to die. I don't have such trash brought into our jurisdiction. You go up and down and, and secret, secretly insinuate into those that are weak. You cannot maintain it before our ministers. You may try and dispute it with them. What Governor Endicott said was not at all true. If you recall, Dr. Clark had tried to speak to everyone at the Congregational Church, including the pastor, John Wilson, but he was not permitted to do so. Absolutely. And again, here in the courtroom, Dr. Clark was escorted out before he was able to dispute with any of the ministers. On the way out... Obadiah Holmes said this, I bless God. I am counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. The, and I'm using air quotes, Reverend John Wilson couldn't contain his anger any longer at that. He struck Obadiah across the face. The curse of God go with thee. They were taken back to jail from which Dr. Clark pleaded with his captors to allow a dispute, which they agreed to until they read the conclusion that he had written down, at which time they realized this man was an articulate and formidable defender of Baptist principles. Needless to say, the debate never took place. First of all, I testify that Jesus of Nazareth, whom God raised from the dead, is made Lord and Christ. This Jesus, I say, is Christ. In English, the Anointed One hath a name above every name. He is the Anointed Priest, none to or with Him in point of atonement. The Anointed Prophet, none to Him in point of institution. The Anointed King, who has gone unto His Father for His glorious kingdom, and shall ere long return again. Secondly, baptism is by immersion for believers only. Number three, prophesying and gifts are for every believer. Number four, no believer may infringe upon the liberty of another or by force smite his fellow servant. John Clark never got the opportunity to defend these doctrines in an open debate. Partly, due to the fact that someone paid his and Brother John Crandall's fines. They had not wanted to pay the fines because they felt that it was an admission of guilt. The same person that had paid the other fines offered to pay Obadiah's fine also, but it was refused. I personally believe that it's because the authorities wanted badly to punish Mr. Holmes which is why he had received the heaviest sentence, even heavier than the spokesman and leader 
of the Baptist group. No doubt they wanted Obadiah Holmes to suffer because he had refused infant baptism, took his standing order minister to task back at Rehoboth, and had started a separate congregation and was also baptized as a believer by the detestable Newport Baptist Church. It didn't help his cause that he was not a practitioner of quiet remonstrance. Obadiah Holmes was kept in jail until September of 1651. While in prison, he wasn't alone. His friend from Rehoboth, John Hazel, came to stand by his former pastor. John Hazel was about 60 years old and in poor health at this time, but he traveled the 50 miles to comfort his brother in Christ. Finally, they brought Obadiah Holmes to the whipping post to punish him for his doctrine and conscience. Many people came to watch this sinister event. May I have leave to speak a few words? It is not now time to speak. Men, brethren, fathers, and countrymen, I beseech you to give me leave to speak a few words, and the rather because... Here are many spectators to see me punished, and I am to seal with my blood, if God give me strength, that which I hold and practice in reverence to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus, that which I have to lay in brief is this. Though I am disputant, yet seeing I am to seal with my blood, what I hold I am ready to defend by the word and to dispute that point with any that shall come forth to withstand it. Now is not the time to dispute. I desire to give an account of the faith and order which I hold. Three times Obadiah asked to speak in his own defense using the scriptures, but the official of the court, Increase Knoll, would have none of it, and turned to the executioner. Fellow, do thine office, for this fellow would but make long speech to delude the people. That which I am to suffer for is the word of God and testimony of Jesus Christ. No, it is for your error and going about to seduce the people. Not for error, for in all the time of my imprisonment, wherein I was left alone by brethren being gone, which of all your ministers came to convince me of error, and when a motion was made for a public dispute and desired by hundreds, what was the reason it was not granted? At this, they began to pull off his clothes. He continued speaking, telling them that for any other reason he would not give his body, but... For this, he wouldn't give a one-hundredth part of a wampum, or Indian money, to be free from their hands. Moreover, the Lord, having manifested his love towards me, and given me repentance towards God and faith in Christ, and so to be baptized in water by a messenger of Jesus in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
wherein I have fellowship with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. I am now come to be baptized in afflictions by your hands, that I may have further fellowship with my Lord. As the man began to beat Obadiah Holmes, Brother Holmes said to the people, Though my flesh should fail and my spirit should fail, yet God will not fail. He later testified that the Lord came in and filled his heart and tongue. He asked the Lord not to lay this sin to their charge and told the people as the three-cord whip ripped the flesh from his back. I find the Lord has not failed me. Therefore, I shall trust him forever who fails me not. He also said that he had such a spiritual manifestation of God's presence during the whipping that the outward pain was removed from him. He received 30 lashes, only 10 less than a death sentence of 40. His sentence was the same, and in some cases even more severe than the sentence that would be given to those guilty of crimes like adultery and even rape. At least 13 warrants were issued for the arrest of citizens who had called for the punishment to stop. As he was loosed from the post, with a joyful and cheerful countenance, he said, You have struck me as with roses, although the Lord hath made it easy to me. Yet I pray, God, it may not be laid your charge. One of the spectators, a Mr. John Spur, said that the persecution made such an impression in his spirit that he trusted God to walk according to the light that God had communicated to him. John Spur and John Hazel were imprisoned for showing sympathy toward Obadiah, and they were sentenced to receive 10 lashes or to pay 40 shillings. Someone did pay their fines. But Brother John Hazel never even made it home to Rehoboth. He died from complications stemming from his infirmities and from his imprisonment. The leaders of Massachusetts and the Congregational Church tried to justify the severity of the punishment brought upon these harmless servants of God. Even the well-known John Cotton, one of the most preeminent ministers in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, said that the whipping was voluntarily chosen and that the beating was no more than will worship. Though the authorities didn't see the error in their actions, it's plain to see the injustice in fining a man and beating them for their convictions. They had done nothing wrong. They had harmed no one and quietly ministered to a friend in his own home. Obadiah Holmes made it home to his wife and eight children, but because the beating was so severe, he was unable to lie down to sleep. 
For up to two weeks, he had to rest on his knees and elbows to keep his back and sides from touching the bed. Obadiah Holmes was ordained and later became the pastor of the Newport Baptist Church. We must remember that Baptists of America have not always enjoyed the liberty of conscience that we have today. We should thank God for our liberty and redeem the time for the days are evil. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 2 Corinthians 3, 17.